When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey y'all, this is Marcus King, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in Five Songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Hello once again, Martin Popoff back again for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Pleased, as always, to be part of the Pantheon Podcast Network, available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. This episode, episode 45, we are going to be calling Shocked by Synths. Um... Yeah, pretty interesting. I had a hard time picking the number two slot in this. I'll, I'll explain in a minute, but uh, I wanted to set some parameters to this. I wanted to talk about synthesizers in hard rock, but number two is going to be a prog band, uh, just to warn you. Um, but prog uh, enters into this whole thing in a number of ways. But I wanted it to be about synthesizers and not so much keyboards or electronic drums or piano, uh, the shocking um, element of, uh, of these other kinds of keyboards uh, in in rock, in hard rock, in prog rock. Uh, and I also wanted this to uh, be... Uh, um, essentially valid to the idea of I remember being shocked the first time this happened and uh, and it being kind of an important thing that made me think about uh, synthesizers in uh, in rock. So so there you go. There's the parameters. Uh, we'll get you know we'll explain when we get to number two why we have a prog band in here. I mean I can see putting prog in in a lot of these episodes. I've got punk uh, in these episodes as well. There's going to be some classic rock as well. But our core is always going to be uh, kind of the the hard rock uh, context. So um, okay. So let's uh, let's go to our first entry here, History in Five Songs, and uh, and take a listen, and we shall discuss. This is Led Zeppelin with uh, Carousel Ombra. All right, so uh, kicking off this whole thing. So basically, hard rock and heavy metal has always been a guitar thing. It, it's always my, my definition of heavy metal. Uh, I've got a cu- couple really simple definitions. Um, one is uh, rock played with a distortion pedal. Uh, another is uh, this idea of everybody crowding around 
uh, this this rock played on a guitar on a distortion pedal as the central premise to what's going on. Uh, Led Zeppelin broke a lot of ground uh, all along the way, um, but I remember this as being one of the uh, of the most shocking albums to come out of the the hard rock world. Uh, there were others, uh, Stars Attention Shoppers. Uh, you know, we might talk about some of these other these other uh, shocking albums that were shocking for other reasons. Um, but essentially, uh, in through the outdoor came. This is Led Zeppelin's, uh, unfortunately, this was going to be their last album. And uh, what happens on this record is uh, Jimmy is a little under the weather. He's got his drug problem, uh, things like that. He's a, he's a little disinterested in things. And what happens in a band when that ha- uh, when when that happens is some of the other you know key provocative writers often step up to the plate and write more stuff. In this case, um, it's John Paul Jones, Led Zeppelin's secret weapon. Uh, I always loved the guy. I thought he was an incredible talent. Obviously, he's the bass player, but he wrote a lot of along the way as well but he did quite a quite a lot of the writing on this record and uh and he is the guy responsible he also plays synthesizer and and so he is uh one of the guys responsible for a lot of the synthesizers on this album now i love this song i i mean i really love carousel Ombre. it's one of my favorite led zeppelin songs and this is shocking for me to say this and this is also you know, I, this may be my second favorite Led Zeppelin album, which is also shocking. We hated this record when it came out. It was not heavy at all. There were ballads on it. There was Hot Dog on it. There's really nothing heavy on it except, uh, you know, you you might say In the Evening is somewhat heavy. So so all the Led Zeppelin fans were like pulling out their hair wondering what is going wrong with this band. And this is this is the song that is probably most indicative of uh, of this idea of synthesizers in here. Um taking over and and why i wanted to pick this song is i guess another parameter of this episode is i wanted to pick things where uh the synthesizer is being fairly central to the to the melody either on the verses or the choruses um but also what you're getting with uh with this song also and you're going to hear in uh, in the other songs that we picked for this episode is that um you know the guitarist in the band who used to be the boss uh you know he's basically ha- having to find ways to fit in around what's going on so he's you know the the, the guitars sometimes uh become the co- color commentary of these songs um and that's kind of what happens on on carousel Ambra. um you know it's it, it's heavy in its own way i love the production on this record i mean give credit to jimmy jimmy is the producer of led zeppelin records um but basically, I, I love the drum sound they get out of John, and I, I just love how everything integrates. So, so yeah, this is this is really the first record in this context that I can think of off the top of my head, um, and looking into it a little bit where um, where uh, there was this um, this intrusion of this modern technology uh, into what's going on. And again, we have in John Paul Jones, we have a very intellectually curious guy. So he's in there as the quote unquote early adopter. You know, they talk about this in computer talk, you know, first people who to, to get an Apple or an Atari or first people to get a video game system. Um, so, uh, you know, you suffer when you do that. You have, um, you're playing with pretty primitive technology that costs a lot of money and it can't do a lot, but, uh, you know, it pays off later for a lot of these people where, um, you know, where, where, 
you know, when, once everything becomes readily available, you're really comfortable with this sort of thing. But Led Zeppelin, um, so this is a great example of sort of kicking off this thing. I wanted to go chronological here. So this is 1979. Uh, as I've mentioned before, very odd year for, for rock. In Through the Outdoor, The Eagle's Long Run, and uh, Pink Floyd, The Wall were, were, were kind of the, the bright spots in this sort of recessionary year uh, for the record business. Okay, moving on. This is where I had a tough choice. Uh, you know, okay, so well, let's play this first of all, and then, and then I'll explain. This is Genesis with Abacab. All right, so I uh, t- right up to the last minute of doing this episode, I was going to pick Turn It On Again from Duke, which is 1980, March 1980. Um, but I wanted to stick true to my premise of, uh, of what shocked me. And, you know, I was probably not a particularly woke Genesis fan in 1980. And Duke is also a record that is still a transitional record into this full-on, uh, you know, electronic synthesizer drum machine revolution uh, that that Genesis is going to uh, shower down upon themselves. Um, but Duke is Duke is one of the you know it it's a record where um, you know a, an interesting thing happens with June, Genesis in that the album covers start being this this crazy totally minimalist uh, sort of look. You look at uh, you look at Duke, you look at Abacab. Moving on to Genesis. Um, and then whatever the next one's uh, called again, I forget. But uh, but also similar album cover. Um, but anyways, the the idea here is that um, it, you know that there's kind of like a visual signal going on with this uh, switch to keyboards. And you know, God love him. I mean, basically Peter Gabriel's gone away, and he all is also being very very shocking with uh, with keyboards and th- synthesizer technology. Not so much on the first two solo albums, but in Melting Face, uh, Peter Gabriel three. That is a very very um, you know. Uh, influential and uh, and revolutionary record that he's making. So it's really cool that Genesis and Peter Gabriel are uh, are really kind of moving forward into futurism essentially at, at the same time. But no, I wanted to pick Abacab and I wanted to play essentially the very beginning of the song because again, it it shows a bit of heaviness. So so I, I like the way that this is kind of a heavy metal song that is not written on heavy metal instruments. Uh, so it's got that drive to it and there are some parts later on that are that are quite heavy. It's it's a really propulsive song. Um, but I also wanted to pick this because it has that starkly stabbing synthesizer melody that sounds like a vocal melody or a guitar riff melody. And uh, and true to my premise, I mean this is when I started getting into Genesis a little heavier and and was shocked immediately by what I was hearing and you know the the next album uh, Genesis uh, you know the self titled with the with the little um, yellow blocks on the cover that one is is way more electronic you think of something like Mama uh, and uh, and Phil is not not um, you know not not uh, scared to to uh, synthesize uh, his his natural drums, which by the way he has one of the greatest drum sounds of all time. I mean the Abacab album probably is my favorite sounding album for drums period ever. Um, but he's not he's not afraid to uh, to synthesize uh, drums 
with uh, like like electronic drums with his uh, with his uh, acoustic drums and that's what i love about these mad scientists all of them that we're going to be talking about here that are doing that john paul jones he's playing synthesizer he's a he's a bassist you know he's a purist bassist he comes from session uh work in the 60s phil collins is a drummer's drummer one of the most uh, amazing drummers and he's he's not afraid to uh, to bring in uh, you know electronics to his drumming and of course tony banks is actually the keyboardist uh, responsible for this stuff uh, on here, um, but yeah, they've got bass pedals, uh, but like I say, drum machines. So they're they're bringing all this stuff in. Um, so that's kind of important um, in, in here. And like I say, hard rock context. Okay, uh, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. All right, back again. History in five songs with Martin Popoff. Uh, this is episode forty-five. We are calling this "Shocked by Synths." Okay, so the next one uh, that truly shocked me. Uh, Let's take a listen to this. This is Gamma with What's Gone is Gone. All right, Gamut, one of my favorite bands of all time, as I joked on a past episode. Actually, I think it was the very last episode uh, on Montrose and Van Halen. Um, I wanted to write a Montrose book, uh, but I could only do that and excite myself on it if it was actually a Gamma and Montrose book. So I have this book called uh, Rock the Nation, uh, uh, Ronnie Montrose. Uh, something something gamma redefined can't remember the title but anyways half that book is about gamma and half is about montrose why is half about gamma gamma is one of my favorite bands of all time they only made three records eventually they came back and and did you know kind of a fourth one that that sort of messy thing that happens with bands um but uh one of the cool things about gamma is uh is here we have another mad scientist uh ronnie montrose He's known as what? He's known as literally almost a guitar hero, or, or at least a great guitarist. But he's such a gearhead, and he loves he loves technology. Uh, so there's a first album, Gamma One, that has Alan Fitzgerald as the keyboardist. Now, an interesting thing here is that Alan moves on to Night Ranger, great fame and great success with Night Ranger. But Night Ranger are a band that really bring in uh, synths. They bring in synths to the idea of hair metal. Hair metal doesn't even exist yet when Night Ranger is starting, but they're they're coming from what's known as kind of pomp rock. Pomp rock is also something that brought in synths. I'm just thinking of this now, but uh, but basically Night Ranger, uh, New England, uh, there were there were these bands that that were kind of bringing this into like a um, a sort of energetic fast-paced commercial rock aspect. So Night Ranger is there. But anyways, we had Alan Fitzgerald uh, on the first one. We have Jim Alcivar, great guy, um, on the second one. But the second one is not really super, super, super synthy. I think it's one of the greatest albums of all time, Gamma 2. But it, to me, it's the more guitar-y of them. But the big shock came in with Gamma 3, which came out February 1982. Jim is gone, so third album. They even got a third, you know, this is their third keyboardist in three albums. The influential and famous and futuristic Mitchell Froom. Mitchell Froom uh, kind of collaborates with Ronnie and all this stuff, and they make a very synthy album. But having you know, having said that, I kind of kind of breeze through the tracks again, putting this episode together, and um, 
There's a lot of acoustic drums, there's some acoustic guitar, there's, there's electric guitar. So again, the idea here is that all of these things have this theme where um, it's almost deceptively synthy. I, I wanted to pick a song here. I had a hard time picking a song here, but What's Gone is Gone is kind of a good one to pick because it's the first song on the album. It was kind of one of the more prominent songs in this album. This album, like, nobody really knows about it. It's not that prominent anyways. But at the time, it did get a lot of press. They're on a major label, all that stuff. There were ads out. There were singles. Um, but essentially... Um, you know, I wanted to pick this song because it was one of the more synthy ones, but I noticed that there is a lot of uh, deceptive stuff going on where there are synths, but when the verse start, things starts, things fall away, and we're and we're kind of into and a and a you know a a more traditional electronic situation, anyways. But no, this album was very shocking overall because. Uh, you know, pretty much everything on it does have a wide variety of synthesizers. Gamma was this very interesting band that right from the beginning with, you know, the Cyborg album cover on Gamma 1, the whole premise kind of along the way was they were a futuristic hard rock band. So this was something Ronnie was doing. He's coming from his Open Fire solo album into this really cool band. You should check them out. Um, but yeah, they were they were uh, essentially uh, you know by the time they were putting this album out, well even the first one and and the second one, they are essentially uh, you could loosely call them a progressive metal band and one that used a lot of keyboards. Now who else does that apply to? It applies to our number four choice uh, here on History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff. Take a listen to this. You knew this was going to be in here. Take a listen to this. This is Rush with Subdivisions. <laughs> All right, so again, this episode is called Shocked by Synths. This is the huge, huge shock. When this came out as the first song on Signals, um, it was incredibly shocking to Rush fans because the synth is so prominent and so important to what's going on in this song. And here we go. We have another mad scientist. So we've got John Paul Jones, purist bass player, um, he he becomes he you know he he essentially explores since we have uh, we have Genesis where we have Tony Banks is the keyboardist but Phil Collins is the purest drummer he's loving the synths um, then we get Gamma a guitar hero Ronnie Montrose he he uh, experiments with synths and now we have another great bass player from a purist background but you know Getty loved his uh, prog and this is the other reason I wanted to include Genesis on here because Genesis was a big influence on Rush. Um, and, um, you know, Rush is essentially a progressive metal band, uh, and I just called Gamma that. Um, but here they are really bringing keyboards uh, in into a situation in a deliberate way. And again, this is the album where, you know, Alex had, you know, they, they butted heads a bit because Alex said, I had a hard time finding my place, uh, you know, to put myself al along, um, you know, within some of these things. You think of Countdown, the big synth line in there. Um, you know, there's a little bit of synth soloing going on. I, I believe in subdivisions, there's actually some synth soloing going on. But but yeah, as you notice, it, it's a huge thing right at the beginning. Now, another thing I wanted to mention with Rush is, uh, well, two things. 
they get very deliberate and they and even more shocking with albums like Power Windows and Hold, Hold Your Fire, where there's loads and loads and loads of synth and electronic drums and and even bass that sounds pretty synthy. Um, so so they they uh, they this was no this was no um, you know errant uh, uh, aberration experiment. They they really went wholesale into this as things moved on. Distant early warning on Grace Under Pressure, but. I also wanted to mention an interesting thing here. Go compare Vital Signs from Moving Pictures 1980 with Fight to the Finish from uh, Gamma from their first album 1979. So here you have an idea of um, of a synth, uh, you know, a sequenced pattern, um, a, a sequenced synth pattern serving as uh, as almost like a, sl- a slash melodic slash percussive uh, basis for a song. So you get that in Vital Signs. So Vital Signs was kind of the easing us into uh, keyboards. Uh, moving Pictures is always known as the record where keyboards were creeping into things, and and um, Signals is where uh, you know it was much more prominent. But um, yeah, I do, I do love this idea that on the first Gamma album you definitely hear Alan Fitzgerald doing some stuff, and I really see. Um, you know, a parallel between Vital Signs 1980 Rush and A Fight to the Finish 1979 Gamma. All right, moving on to our last one in uh, in our History in Five Songs, episode 45, Shocked by Synths. I think you knew this one was going to be here as well. Take a listen to this. This is uh, a little band some of you might have heard of uh, called Van Halen. This is Jump. All right, so again, uh, you know, I always compare Jump to uh, the album cover of Black Sabbath, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. Now, the reason I compare these two is that I'm always shocked at how they got away with this without more, um, you know, without more, uh, you know, uh, basically showing up at the castle door with uh, with torches, uh, you know, uh, looking for the perpetrator. In this in this case, the perpetrator is uh, is Eddie Van Halen. Uh, in Black Sabbath's case, it's uh, it's the Pacific Ioneer uh, folks, uh, Ernie Ernie Cephalou. Uh, Chefalu, did I pronounce that right? Anyways, that album cover, I, I still to this day, 1973, I can't believe that's on the front of a Warner Brothers, uh, you know, a widely released Warner Brothers record. But that's another episode. Um, when Jump came out, uh, it it absolutely, it, it, it probably upset even more people than Subdivisions uh, upset people. Uh, so now we're into January 9th, 1984. It is quite a bit later. I, I was quite interested to see, uh, you know, th- this timeline, this throughput of how this works. But we are up to 1984. So I guess there wasn't probably too much in the in the meantime uh, that was this shocking. But so so Van Halen comes out with uh, with essentially an advanced single in Jump. And uh, everybody loves it. Surprisingly, including myself, I could not believe it. I mean, I was absolutely shocked, but you can't not like Jump. I mean, it's just an irresistibly charming song. Um, but again, I, I wanted to pick this because um, for, a, for a couple of reasons, there is definitely that shock factor. Um, you know, the synth is the central premise of this song, like even more central than on Subdivisions. Um 
and I like the idea again that I paralleled in the last episode of these these two totally uh, you know committed obsessed gearheads in Ronnie Montrose and Eddie Van Halen known for known for being you know two of the great guitarists in the world uh you know cer- certainly Eddie Eddie um you know he's essentially I think Eddie is probably the first true guitar hero since Jimi Hendrix essentially and but you get you get this uh this um putting aside of ego or a certain type of ego putting it aside to say I'm I'm an explorer I'm a creative person I don't care what paintbrush I pick up I just want to paint so here he is painting with synthesizers you know he's just like Getty Lee um you know he is essentially teaching himself how to play keyboards and that that means piano too uh, and and both Getty and Eddie you know joke along the way of how um you know how they know they're very they're very basic at it they're no keyboardist I ain't no piano player I I can't do this but they're they're good they're willing to give it the good call you know the old college try and they're willing to slowly learn how to play these instruments uh, as time goes on and get better at them but they're but neither of them are afraid to put their their rudimentary chicken scratch efforts uh, on you know straight onto their records so that's really cool about uh, about jump um, and again I'll, I'll I'll do the same parallel with uh, that I did with rush move forward and move back um, essentially Van Halen, you know, adopted this as something that they would include, but they but they became probably a little more annoying at it. They became more um, Henry Mancini, uh, you know, electric piano or piano. So so in the in the Van Hager years, you hear a lot of synths as well. Um, but it's but it's more like you hear keyboards. Um, but you know, th- this this is a this is a shocking experimental version. Later on, they almost become um, more conservative at it. But what I love so the stepping back from jump what i love is that um you know eddie does some really kind of groundbreaking interesting things uh with keyboards before and again it just is something that is keeping uh, creeping in he's almost like cyborging it together with guitar um you know making sounds that you can't even kind of figure out where they're coming from a great example of that is uh and the cradle will rock where you're wondering what what is making that cool riff and so you're hearing you're hearing technology um coming into these things um, just, just in sort of, uh, you know, I'm still a hard rocker way, but I want, I want to use some of this new technology in, uh, in interesting ways. The other one that is, uh, that is an incredible version of this is one foot out the door, which, uh, which is hilarious because it's essentially a, uh, a uh, very heavy metal song, like a speed metal song almost, or a or a riff rocker, like you know something that if it was done on tradi- you know conventional instruments in 1978, you would think it's probably one of the heaviest songs on the album. But it's but it's literally like like a synthy thing going on. Um, so Eddie is Eddie is a great mad scientist at this stuff, and he really deserves to be lauded um, for what he did. Um, so there you go. Those are the five. Those are the five that I thought, you know, I tried to rack my brains and think of what else shocked me along the way in terms of bands bringing in synths. I have a feeling this is an episode where if you go to the Facebook page for this, History and Five Songs with Martin Popoff, I'm going to get some suggestions of things I missed. You know, and, and it feels like some of these episodes I can almost see doing a second parter because there are really cool things uh, that get missed along the way. But But I truly remember all of these being huge shocks. One other one I just wanted to mention uh, that that was a cool one that I almost put in here 
was uh, was Robert Plant. Um, not so much on the debut album, Pictures at 11. Uh, a little bit more on the second one. Um, um, uh, hang on, hang on. Pictures at 11. Uh, what the? I, I can't believe I'm... Where, where's my signed copy up there? Right, yes. The Principle of Moments. Uh, long story. I, I did a cool trade with a buddy of mine here in Toronto. I've got a, a signed copy by Robert uh, uh, up on my wall. That actually is uh, one of my top... I always cite it as one of my top 10 albums of all time by anybody. I truly love it as much as Physical Graffiti. So Principle of Moments, check it out. But he did... Uh, the next album was called uh, Now and Zen, Zen and Now. I, I, I always forget the order of it. I think it's now and Zen, um, but no. So what Robert did is, uh, if you think in in through the outdoor is shocking, go to now and Zen, and you will be you will be doubly and triply shocked. I hated that record when it first came out, and I'm still not a huge fan of it. Um, but uh, but because I loved Principle of Moments so much and what Robbie Blunt was doing as a guitarist, I mean it's it's criminal that that guy didn't didn't continue on and and do stuff. But uh, but Robert always liked to change band members. But but no, he made Principle of Moments just the most gorgeous thing i i I think it's probably uh, in terms of a guitar performance on an album again uh, you know maybe physical graffiti is cooler but but principle of moments is is a close second but no he's he's really put to the sideline on now and zen uh and it's really all about really spazzed out whacked out um keyboards and synthesizers it's a it's an extremely futuristic album where robert is just like being the fearless creative guy going way out you know into way past devo land uh, for that record and there's lots and lots of synthesizers okay uh boy that's probably the most i ever explained about something i didn't include as one of the five songs so i i hope i'm not breaking a rule too badly for you folks out there um let's wrap it up that's it um there you go, episode 45, Shocked by Synths. You can go to my Facebook page, my regular one, my public person one, The History in Five Songs. You can email me at uh, uh, martinp at inforamp.net. Of course, martinpopoff.com uh, for all my books. I just had a new Rush book come out that's selling quite well called uh, Anthem Rush in the 70s. Just had a new Saxon book come out. Uh, but yeah, looking at this list here, I've done a Led Zeppelin book. It's probably my favorite book of all that I've done because it's called All the Albums, All the Songs. I had to literally write about every single song uh, from the Led Zeppelin catalog on that. So that's probably one of my favorite books and it's beautiful. It's it's hardcover, uh, you know, full color throughout. So yeah, so I, I've never written a Genesis book, um, but I uh, play a heck of a lot of Genesis these days. Um, but yeah, I have a, I have a Gamma um, book and uh, eventually when all this Rush trilogy is done, I'll have six Rush books. And uh, and I do have a Van Halen book. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so um, so yeah, um, there you go. Hope you like this episode. Uh, we shall see you again next time. Bye for now. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 